Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Nice to have you. So we are now going into Hosea in a big way. Today is all Hosea. Hosea 3 through 7. So if you will find your place in Hosea. And I thought today we're just going to jump over to dad jokes because there wasn't much all that exciting in this damn trivia that I saw that was going on. But new TV shows it started on this day. That's not too interesting. All right, here we go. I have a pen that can write underwater. (laughs) It can write other words, too. (laughs) How about this one? Um, (laughs) What do snails become when they die? Escargosts. (laughs) That's a hard word to say. (laughs) Escargosts. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. (laughs) So we will now jump into the reading for today. Hosea, find your place, please. And we'll get started right away. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you for the time we've had together. Um... Spending together, worshiping, working, whatever, going out for coffee. Just thank you for the fellowship of, of believers and the beautiful things you're doing. So we want to remember that and remember those that are sick and those that need your touch as well as we go into our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hosea chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband Yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be towards you. For the sons of Israel will remain many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return to seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Chapter 4. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They enjoy violence, so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky, and also the fish of the sea disappear. Yet, let no one find fault, and let None offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priest, so you will stumble the day. And the prophets also will stumble you by night. 
and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire towards their iniquity. And it will be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat and not have enough. They will play the harlot but not increase because they have stopped giving heed to the Lord. Harlotry, wine and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol and their diviner's wand informs them for the spirit of harlotry has led them astray. And they have played the harlot, departing from their God. And they offer sacrifices on the tops of the mountains and burn incense on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth because their shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters play the harlot and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the harlot or your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with temple prostitutes. So the people without understanding are ruined. Though you Israel play the harlot, do not let Judah become guilty. Also do not go to Gilgal or go up to Beth-Avon or take an oath as the Lord lives, since Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer. Can the Lord now pasture them like a lamb in a large field? Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their liquor gone. They play the harlot continually. Their rulers dearly love shame. The wind wraps them in its wings, and they will be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Chapter 5. Hear this, O priests. Give heed, O house of Israel. Listen, O house of the king, for the judgment applies to you. And you have been a snare at Mizpah, and a net spread out on Tabor. The revolters have gone deep into depravity, but I will chastise all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the harlot. Israel has defiled itself. Their deeds will not allow them to return to their God, for a spirit of harlotry is within them. And they do not know the Lord. Moreover, the pride of Israel testifies against them. And Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also has stumbled with them. They will go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have borne illegitimate children. Now, the new moon will devour them with the land. Blow the horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm in Beth-Avon. Behind you, Benjamin, Ephraim will become a desolation in the day of rebuke. Along with the tribes of Israel, I declare what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who move a boundary. On them I will pour out my wrath like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to follow man's command. Therefore, I am like a moth to Ephraim. 
And like rottenness to the house of Judah, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to King Jerob. But he is unable to heal you or to cure you from your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear to pieces and go away. I will carry away and there will be none to deliver. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, and he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like a spring rain watering the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? For your loyalty is like a morning cloud, and like the dew which goes away early. Therefore I have hewn them in pieces by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant, and they have dealt treacherously against me. Gilead is a city of wrongdoers, tracked with bloody footprints, and as raiders wait for a man, so a band of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they have committed crime. In the house of Israel I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim's harlotry is there. Israel has defiled itself. Also, Judah, there is a harvest appointed to you, and I will restore the fortunes of my people. Chapter 7. When I would heal Israel, the iniquity of Ephraim is uncovered, and the evil deeds of Samaria, for they deal falsely. A thief enters in, bandits raid outside, and they do not consider their hearts, that I remember all their wickedness. Now their deeds are all around them. With their wickedness, they make the king glad, and the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers, like an oven heated by the baker who ceases to stir up the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. On the day of our king, the princess became sick with the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers, and their hearts are like an oven, and they approach their plotting. Their anger smolders all night. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. All of them are hot like an oven, and they consume their rulers. All their kings have fallen. None of them calls on me. Ephraim mixes himself with the nations. Ephraim has become a cake hot, turned. Strangers devour his strength, yet he does not know it. Gray hairs also are sprinkled on him, yet he does not know it. Though... The pride of Israel testifies against him, yet they have not returned to the Lord their God, nor have they sought him for all this. So Ephraim has become like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. 
when they go, I will spread my net over them. I will bring them down like the birds of the sky. I will chastise them in accordance with the proclamation of their assembly. Woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction is theirs, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. They do not cry to me from their heart. When they wail on their beds for the sake of grain and new wine, they assemble themselves. They turn away from me, although I trained and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They turn, but not upward. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes will fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. This will be the derision of the land of Egypt. Well, there you have it. The, the, the I'm trying to say the greater chunk of Hosea and dealing with the unfaithfulness of Israel in the north and the sin of Israel. And this is where we get some of the famous quotes and some of the interesting um, comparisons of Israel. Israel's like this, Israel's like that. and it's, it's like the morning dew and it fades away quickly and it's unfaithful. All, the, all over the place we see the unfaithfulness of Israel and we see a large portion of the blame going to the priests, the priests, the priests, over and over. Do this and do that. And God tells them, my people perish for lack of knowledge. The priests were not training them. They did not understand really what they were supposed to do, how to really worship God. A lot of the responsibility fell on the leadership. But the people themselves were seeking after these other gods, and they were unfaithful to God. And so throughout this, we see God is using Gomer as representative of Israel's unfaithfulness. She'd gone off into harlotry with the other gods. That's when she split and went up north left Judah, left the worship at the temple, and she had spiritual harlotry, created the other, the the images, the um, golden calves, what have you. So to God, it was like his wife had become a harlot and had gone off to sleep with other men. But what does he do? The great, great, beautiful story of redemption. He goes and purchases her back when she comes back obviously used and abused, nothing to offer, less attractive than when he first married her. She had nothing of beauty to there come back to offer her own husband, but he buys her back, and he purchases her. This whole understanding of the word redemption comes from this, of him buying her back for a price. And he brings her into the house and says, "You now you will remain faithful to me. And that so will be Israel. We see Israel will be through this time. They'll be, they'll be desolate. They'll be separate. But then they will come back. It's prophetic as well that they will come back. There will be a time in the future when Jesus comes back. And we see in Joel and these different prophecies that their eyes will be open and they'll realize who they crucified. And they will weep and they will cry. And God will receive them back as his wife, and he purchased them on the cross. It's interesting that the church, we are the bride of Christ. Israel is the wife of Christ. There's two different idioms there, different illustrations. So they've always been seen as the wife, 
that has been unfaithful and has strayed away and is in adultery. We are the bride of Christ waiting for a bridegroom coming to get us. Two completely separate images between Judaism, Israel, and the church. Interesting. So we have um, this other thing, I think it was chapter 6, about, and I have all teaching on that, on Hosea, if you guys get interested, um, that um, they will be, for two days, they will go into some type of affliction. I should have had it open on my Bible so I could go back and look at that. Because it's a really interesting uh, chapter. It's one of my favorites in the book. Let me see if I can jump to it real quick. Um, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will receive us after two days. Raises up on the third day. So Bible scholars differ on this. Not everybody agrees with this, but I have agree with the prophetic interpretation of this that Israel was torn away in a sense from their covenant relationship with Yahweh when they rejected Jesus as Messiah and there will be a time where they want to return in the future and he, they, he says he will wounded us and he will bandage us he res- he will revive us after two days. Well, there are those that think that that could be prophetic references to years, as thousands of years. There is, there is the sense that after two thousand years of after the rejection, God will revive them, and He will cause them to realize what they've done when He returns, and will raise us up on the third day. That will be the second coming. Let's see if I get this right. Yeah, I, I believe so. And then they will be risen on the end of the millennium. That will be the third day. Anyway, go back and listen to chapter 6 on Hosea if you get a chance. It's uh, it's an interesting study. It's been a while since I've taught it. But I, I, I love the idea that God has this plan for Israel. That's probably what I like the most. That that the, the prophet is saying that... Um, He's, he's telling his people that there's a reason why they're suffering. They rejected him. They became prostitutes. They, they, they were wrong in every sense of the word, but, and that's why they were wounded. That's why they got disciplined, but he would revive them. He would return for them. He would raise them up. They would be healed and glorified with him. So we see this constant thread of hope through all of this time that Hosea is prophesying. And he's prophesying to the north, which is, at this point, been, um, I believe, gone already and gone off into um, captivity. Yeah, i got to check my memory on that, if they've already gone off, because there was a remnant left there after they had gone. So this is the story of Israel. We are the church. We have the same, we have the same uh, problem in that we go after the world. We easily go whoring after the things of the flesh, as Israel did. And it's a call to us to be careful. The Lord's going to discipline those he loves. And the people in the church perish for lack of knowledge. There's a huge, huge gap in the church between um, 
people's knowledge of God and, and their walk with God where it should be. There is a huge problem with leadership in denominations and in the Catholic Church all over the world where people are not being taught the Word of God. Because they're not being taught, they have reduced Christianity to a set of moral codes. And keep the moral code and you'll be okay. And this is pathetic and it's wrong. And it robs people of the richness of the faith and the relationship in Christ and it leads people down a wrong understanding of what it is to be alive and to receive the gift of grace and God's uh, to be born again. And by and large, most of them are not. Most of them are not saved because they don't have the knowledge of salvation, which falls a large part on the priesthood. And of course, we all have the Bible in the Western world. Man is without excuse. God even shows himself in the heavens. So it's, it's not just the fault of the leadership of the pastors and the priests, but they do bear it. And the false teachers, and that's what we're dealing with in First John. We're going to get into that in a big way on Sunday. So let's keep moving on. Now we will go into see what Charles Spurgeon has to say about all this. Reward is certain, and whoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Matthew ten forty two. Well, I can do as much as that. I can do a kind act towards the Lord's servant. The Lord knows I love them all and would count it an honor to wash their feet. For the sake of their master, I love the disciples. How gracious of the Lord to mention so insignificant an action, to give to drink a cup of cold water only? This I can do, however poor. This I may do, however lowly. This I will do, right cheerfully. This which seems so little, the Lord notices. Notices when done to the least of his followers. Evidently, it is not the cost, nor the skill, nor the quantity that he looks at, but the motive, that which we do to a disciple, because he is a disciple. His Lord observes the recompenses. He does not reward us for the merit of what we do, but according to his riches of grace, of his grace. I give a cup of cold water, and he makes me to drink the living water. I give to one of his little ones, and he treats me as one of them. Jesus finds an apology for his liberality and that which his grace has led me to do. And he says, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Pretty, pretty prophetic, pretty to the point. Can we give the cup of cold water to the least of these, <laughs> to those of his family? This is the the imagery, I should say, I, I think it's in all aspects of reaching out and being a blessing to those in the body of Christ, those that you can help. Do it with the right motive. Do it because they're a brother and sister. And do what you can to be a blessing to them. Sometimes it's a cup of cold water. Sometimes it's 10 pesos to get on the bus. Sometimes it's um, giving them a, uh, just a hug and praying for them and saying and encouraging them in their walk. When you see that there is something that God is laying on your heart that you can do for them, and you have the ability to do it, 
and do it. Father God, thank you for this morning and for directing us to these chapters this morning as we see that you have a heart for the lost. You have a heart for those which are weak. You have a heart for those that want nothing more than to follow you. And you don't want your sheep to be lost or scattered. So we pray, Father, for the church. We pray for the leadership. We pray for the hearts of people within the church that they would not fall away and they would not go after the things of the flesh because we understand that those who will willfully walk away from you, once they've known you and come into your house and come into your family, will be disciplined. And you will, out of love, you will have to discipline them to get them to understand that you mean what you say, that you want that covenant. You don't want them to be unfaithful to you. You want a faithful relationship with them. You're a jealous God, jealous because you love us. So we joyfully, God, thank you for the times when you chastise us, when you correct us. And we ask God you clearly, Father, show us in your word how to walk with you correctly, how we can be a blessing not only to you, those around us. Give us the knowledge, Father. Build us up in your word. And therefore, in that, your spirit can guide and direct us. It has the tools which it needs. We can then understand why you're doing what you're doing. So we thank you for your caring heart, the fact that you would care enough to want us to have the knowledge, that you'd want us to stay away from everything that is bad, that you try and steer us in the right direction always, is an overwhelming act of love. And we thank you for it, and we bless you for it this day. We thank you and give you praise that you uh, used Letty and was able to organize the treatment for one Carlos's radiation to begin on Monday rather than in three weeks. We consider that God a huge answer to prayer. And we pray this is set now and or and that it will not change and that they can count on it. We praise you, God, they'll be able to go every day for a month and get that treatment so that that tumor can be completely irradiated out of his body. So we, we thank you for the work you're doing in their lives. Continue with that, Father. And for anyone else that's going through treatments, God, the chemo, whatever it is, Father, I want to lift that up to you for that you would strengthen them and help them and guide them so that they could maintain their walk with you and not be put in bed. They can maintain fellowship, maintain clarity in their thinking, especially anyone going to the surgery as well, coming out of it. So we pray that you can maintain clarity in our thinking so that nothing affects our walk with you and nothing can slow us down. Thank you for those that are enduring, Father, difficulties with chronic pain. Same thing, Father, they cannot perhaps get it uh, cut out or dealt with surgically, but they can, Father, consider it grace, (laughs) that your grace is sufficient. Not that you gave it to them, but that it is something that you're using. You're using in their life so that they can still bring you glory, that they can use it as a testimony to those around them that are dealing with many difficulties of their own. And God, you continue to strengthen them. I'm thinking of Susie, and even Nabil, different difficulties, different things that we have to deal with as we're getting older. To continue to use them to be um, 
testimony and a light to those around them, and especially those that need a, a lot of medical treatment as well, that they can help them understand what they're going through and guide them spiritually, God, just as Paul did. Never did he, Father, complain after he prayed those three times. He received, he understood that it was by your design that he deal with that physical infirmity. So we pray you teach us those same lessons that we then press on and glorify you through them. So thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you are doing, continuing to do. Bless the time at the mission today, God. Bless uh, us as we organize things for getting the, the whole school system going again during the week, the after-school school, and also Sunday as we prepare for that. May you bless it and help us organize the worship, all the sound, all the technolo- technological stuff, as well as the teaching, God. Just bring us into clarity in our minds of all the things you want to do in and through us through the rest of this week. Praise you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it. So we will see you guys tomorrow at the same time, same place. Invite somebody else, let people know, find out if they're reading through the Word, and let them know about this or the podcast so that they can join in with us. We'll see you tomorrow.